Sundays. My name is Tyler, and although we've already begun today, let me speak further, even though I am but dust and ashes. Last weekend, we heard the first three ground rules for approaching God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Then let this pod declare the fourth. Dave is here to help us step closer to God. So let me create an atmosphere of casual warmth by inviting in my favorite co-hosts as we approach God together. Marin and Barry, good day. Yeah, good day. Well done. Tyler, you, you realize though, excellent. there's probably going to be a lot of people, this will be their first episode that they've listened to. On the <laughs> Welcome podcast. to Between Sundays, guys. <laughs> And the and the really confusing way that Tyler well, starts every episode now. So it just gets better and better. Brilliant. Thanks. Yeah. Good so work. what I've been doing for those who are new to the show is I this show is dedicated to the people of Grace Church. Whether you attend services or you miss services, uh, this show will help you get through the week from Sunday to Sunday, uh, bringing hopefully bringing you a little uh, fun throughout your week, but also bringing you a little bit closer to God. We take a deeper dive into uh, sermons that we've heard. Uh, We bring in speakers who uh, spoke last weekend, or maybe some people that have interesting stories. And this week we have Dave Rodriguez. Welcome, Dave. Hey. And uh, so, yeah, so what I've been doing (laughs) is uh, recently the past few episodes or so is I will take notes during the sermon and I will try to write up really awesome, amazing, creative intros it was, so the, it was that. Yes. Great. Great. Mission yeah, accomplished. That was your best one so yeah. far. Really? Yeah. Thanks, Marin. Yeah, it was. Thank you. You like went back into the word of God for that one. Yep. I'm proud of you. Yep. Yep. Dust and ashes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Guys, we've got a big jam-packed show, and some of you are tuning in today because you were left with a little cliffhanger, <laughs> but we're going to tease that, that out just a little bit more as uh, we, Dave is here, and he, uh, he presented three ways to approach God and he's got the fourth, but we're going to, we're going to hold that just a little bit longer because first I want to ask everybody what's happening. What's, what's going on? Not much. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Barry, what's new? What's happening? I, you know, I don't even have anything of note to talk about from the last week or so. You Super Bowl? I missed, I missed last week's podcast, by the way, which yeah, I listened to. We, missed, we you. missed you. Well, thanks. Emily did an amazing job yeah, she did. In, my, in my seat, but uh, I did prod. miss it. It was really weird <laughs> listening and not having been in the room. But I will say I had one moment that has led to what I would say is a very specific uh, PSA, public service announcement that I need to make for everyone. What do you got? So last week I was doing the dishes good husband, you know, doing, doing you're, my part. You're a hero. Yeah. I, thank you. I, I deserve a plaque and a medal. This as uh, me. Yeah. I'm joking. I, I'm yeah, joking, yeah, yeah. obviously, but, uh, there was this container or like, a you know, those like magic bullet things that mm-hmm. you, you kind of, it's like a blender that, oh, yeah. Had, yeah. Grounds your coffee beans. It can, right? I suppose. No. Was, uh, well, no. What does it do? You're making well, smoothies and stuff. Olivia and I oh, make smoothies. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we had one of them that was has a lid. It was closed, the the smoothie container, and there was a protein shake in there, uh, which I think it was like mostly full, had been left in a car, had been brought back inside, and for whatever reason, it hadn't been washed, and so it needed to be washed oh. after a week. So I tried getting the lid off. My hands are a little wet. That's not working. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, try to get a towel to get the lid off. It won't come off. Uh, I put a rubber band around the lid so oh, that my. I could like really get a lot of torque. You on. have a new MacGyver story every week. Well, this one is this one is like <laughs> when Ma- MacGyver dies in the explosion. Well, I so so, <laughs> so that way. I finally I'm like baffled. I, I don't know what to do to get this thing off. 
uh, I, I couldn't figure it out. So I grabbed a knife, Uh-oh. like a butter knife and started trying to pry oh, it off done, a little bit. I've done stuff like this. Where is the bandaid? It, well, no bandaid, <laughs> but it, I won't say popped off cause that's not nearly strong enough. It exploded. The, the lid went boom and it literally shot this chocolatey protein oh, shake no. all over my kitchen in multiple directions in ways that I still think <laughs> defy physics. Oh, wow. It was so, so I mean, when it was Olivia all over me. Home and there's brown stuff all over your walls. <laughs> well, what did, what was her first question? She, no, I spent 30 minutes at least just scrubbing down every surface in the, I, I was having to wipe down individual blinds on the, on the window. Oh, man. Yeah. It, got all over, it got all over her cookbooks. It got all over me. I had to take a shower afterwards. Literally my entire kitchen looked like a Jackson Pollock painting. How old was this stuff? Like, was it moldy? No, it wasn't moldy. It was like four days old. Somehow, maybe it was like the protein powder or whatever that was in there. Because it had been left in a car. We forgot about it. Anyway, so who knows? So Contents under pressure. Exactly. So Something what were you has supposed been, to do? Like drill a hole in it first? I like, don't know. That would have been, that would have created like a nozzle. <laughs> 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 and then you ruin your drill. There's just a lot of problems. So oh, here's man. my, here's my public service announcement. Uh, after having spent a don't long, buy a, magic a long, bullet. sweaty 30 minutes cleaning up my entire kitchen. I mean, it was literally, it was on the spice rack. It was on the fridge. It was everywhere. Here's, here's my public service announcement. If you make a protein shake and you don't end up getting around to drinking it and you do end up leaving it in your car, just throw it away, open it before you put it in the sink. Oh yeah. That there you go. And if you do that before it's had time to sit even longer, opening it was the problem. Yeah. You opened it. Okay. What does putting it in the sink have anything to do with it? Because then it sat there for another day, and I feel like that was when the it should have. So first step outside, like over your garden, or or find a way to like sprays. It sprays in the appropriate place, or like bury it in the ground. Yeah, just throw it away. Detonate it. Like a bomb squad. Detonate it. <laughs> Get one of those robots out there. So anyway, that's it. Yeah. Just be careful, folks. All right, we be careful. Those protein you. shakes will take you out. <laughs> protein goes bad real quick. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. I, my, yeah, we leave stuff in the car too. And the protein shakes are always the most vile of smells, man. That, that stuff goes bad quick. I have a rule in my household that if you are the one who does that, like if my son this weekend were to bring home his thermos from school and forget (laughs) to put it in the sink for days on end, he's the one who gets to open it. Mom does not open that. Yeah. Does he have to clean it? Absolutely. Okay. I ain't touching it. Yeah. Mm -mm. I would just throw it away. No, 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 no. They are very expensive. When was the last time you bought like a thermos? It was like Uh, 25 bucks. Yeah. But you're also talking to the guy that had to go clean out his gutters with a leaf blower and got a little bit of leaf juice on me and like started vomiting on my roof. (laughs) So so I'm not, I'm throwing that stuff away, man. What is it with you and leaves? You really Uh, just I'm not into it. I'm just not into that. Uh, welcome to Between Sundays. Yeah, everyone. everybody's welcome. This is a family-friendly show, and we are just happy to have this weird conversation every week. Every week. Marin, what's going on in your life? Not much. I did watch the game. It was... Super Bowl. Yeah, I nearly lost my voice. Really? Yeah. You were, were yelling. You, who were you rooting I for? I was rooting for the Eagles. Are you oh, an yes. Eagles fan? Yes. Um, we have a lot of friends in Philadelphia. Okay. So like you kind of, you kind of mm. think of who, you know, that's going to be like celebrating yep. their heart out and like has waited their entire lives to so see So you were rooting happen. for your friends. I was, I was yeah. rooting for my friends. My sister and brother-in-law. Yeah. And yeah Dave, you're from oh, Pennsylvania. Well, yeah, but Pittsburgh, that's different. Yeah. That's, that's not the same. The well, opposite right. side. Jed's family is from Pittsburgh. So, okay. so we don't, except for, it's my sister. I was plus anything 
anyone that isn't <laughs> yeah. New England. For yeah. sure. We, that's the Indiana <laughs> tradition is we are our, our greatest we're the biggest fans of not Patriots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's our, that's our team. Yeah. Well, I know I'm new here guys, but we would say the same yep. back home. Really? Definitely. Oh yes. And so I have oh, these goodness. two words for new England and Tom Brady. Go away. Go away. That's right. <laughs> well, there's talk that that might be uh, bill Belichick's last game Somebody, in the Patriots. Jed and I were talking about that. I can't see him. You don't him. think so? I can't see him going out on, on a losing season. I can't. I think he has too much pride. All right. Well, we're definitely not a sports podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> but so, did you guys? Did you have an affinity for any of the commercials? Because that's usually that's the only time of the year where people are like looking forward to the commercials. Every other mm-hmm. day of the week, they're like fast forwarding and not watching things live, so they can just blast through commercials. But this is the one time of year where we're like looking forward to yeah watching them. What? Did, you, did you see the the not or it's a tide commercial? Oh, tide all ad. of the tides. Tide yes. ad, man. Tide for the win. Yeah, they won the Super Bowl, I yeah. think. So, did you see that one? Yeah, so Tide. The guy from Stranger Things. I can't yeah. think of his name. What's the actor's Hopper. name? Hopper. Sergeant Hopper. Yeah. His character. What's yeah. his name? <laughs> Sheriff Hopper. I don't yeah. know his name. Harper. I don't know. Yes, yeah. all What's of the name? Tide commercials. Tide Fantastic. Yeah. They did every genre of commercial, and you know, he kept saying, nope, it's not for that. It's just a Tide ad. <laughs> yeah. It was brilliant because then you got, then you, everybody on Twitter is now having these meta discussions like, wait a second, does that mean that every commercial at the Super Bowl was actually a Tide ad? Yeah. And then there was, was an genius. Action, then there was another laundry detergent commercial, which everybody then assumed tide was ad. a Tide right. ad. It was for Priscilla. <laughs> I've never heard of Priscilla. David Harbour is his yeah, real name. Harbour. Harbour. Hopper. For the win. <laughs> it's fine. Uh... Any other ones that stuck out? Um, just the dancing giants. Oh, Eli like, Manning. Yeah. Dirty Eli dancing. Manning. It was, it was, it was all right. Don't put Eli in a corner. <laughs> Can we talk about the, did you see that one? Nope. So the Dodge Ram commercial with oh MLK. God. Yeah. With the speech Not good by, feelings about that one. Nope. So did you see that one, Mary? Yeah, did you catch it? Didn't I like saw it. it. It was, there were a lot of things wrong with it, but the biggest one was that in that exact same sermon, that Martin, Martin Luther, that Martin Luther King, King was giving yeah. that they were quoting from, he literally goes up against car commercials and how materialism and how materialism and, yeah. and consumerism. So what like, are they thinking? What were, and so of course Did someone has now recut it with that section of the sermon. No, I haven't listened to the whole thing. Oh, wow, really? It's brilliant. Oh, that's and so awesome. it's literally shots of, you know, trucks <laughs> driving through the mud and him saying like, and these media people or these, these people that people want try this to sell you this, this thing to make yeah. you feel good. But, and it's like, wow, it's, Whoops. I have to go find that. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. you've, you spent a lot of money for that ad. Yeah. You would think you'd do a little more, uh, research, a little background. What else yeah. did he say in this sermon? Oh <laughs> yeah. That's not going to work. <laughs> well, see, well, so you've gotten know, me man. to leave this podcast and go look up prancer sizing. Yeah. <laughs> and now I will have to go find the actual sermon and, or maybe the, the revamped commercial. Yeah, with absolutely. The For actual sure. Sermon behind it. Very good. Very <laughs> Dave, what's going on in your life? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing? Oh, I'm just, uh, I'm officially out of control. You think? I think so. What? <laughs> Tell pretty, us more. I, I don't know. I just, I hit a point this afternoon where texts were coming in like rain. Oh, no. Emails were piling up. And then I was going through my to-do list and I just wanted to weep. Uh-oh. That, it's, just, it's just a really tense so in time. You're in the middle, you're in the thick of the whirlwind. Is that I right? Am. I am. But in the middle of it, I made the best macaroons I've ever made in my life. <laughs> yesterday. What 
flavor? What oh, tell us? Macaron, not macarons, oh. which my daughter-in-law Barry's wife does. Incredibly. What are what are the difference? Oh, you did quite the, a few different the coconut did, things. The coconut macaroons. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Do you like coconut? Oh yes. Oh well then, listen to me. You <laughs> have to have one of these. They are the best ever. Macarons the- are fiddly little almond cookies. Finicky. Fussy. <laughs> Perfect, guys. Sounds great. That sounds it's really good. Finicky, really good. fussy. And, and, and the way Liv makes them, they're, they're perfect. Yeah. They're, they're wonderful, especially the salted caramel. So, Liv, if you're listening, make some more of those. Please. Dave is in the whirlwind. He needs some macarons. I need some macarons. You know, ba- yeah. but macarons. Mac- <laughs> macarons. But macarons are basically coconut mm-hmm. and egg white and sugar. And then I'm do a little chocolate bottom on them. That sounds nice. Ooh, they're good. Yeah. So that's helping a that little bit. It helped me through the whirlwind. It took my mind off it. Yeah, but you are out of control because- Completely. Too many people, too many things. Get out. Didn't I just tell you last week what I do when I'm stressed? I made three dinners in like one night because cooking that's is right. coping. It yeah. is. It is. Cooking I put on music. Coping. I usually put on, well, lately I've been repeat on- uh, Death metal. You know, thrash, <laughs> thrash core. <laughs> No, what's it? Uh, the great, great, great visual. The greatest showman. I oh, can, yeah, of course. I put that up as loud as I possibly can. This is me. <laughs> and I, I just and, see dad in the kitchen. I, this is me. Throwing his arms out. <laughs> ask, ask your mother. Yeah, she has to leave because it's so loud when I'm Look playing. Look out, because here I come. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Friday, guys. We, last Friday... The very first, I'm a part of a group that has been together and gathering about once a month uh, for almost two years. And we had our first screening movie night uh, at the North Indy campus. The group is called Listening Table, and it's a group centered uh, around bringing the conversation of race, racism and racial healing to Grace Church and trying to uh, educate, empower um and just bring healing to within this community, but also the community at large. And so we had our very first thing uh, on Friday, which was a screening of the documentary of the 13th, which is about the 13th amendment um, by Ava DuVernay. And um, we had about 25 people show up and that was the most I wanted to be there. So we sold it out, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, But it was, it was a great experience. I thought we, uh, Barry, you were there and you and Olivia came. And so what we did is we watched the movie and we simply just had a half hour discussion afterwards about, you know, what did you see? What kind of, uh, reactions do you have immediately to seeing this? Have you guys, have you guys seen 13th? No, no, I want to see it. It is, it is life changing. And there even just, um, the few reactions that I've gotten from people since the event have told me this is this, this being a part of that night, Friday night has totally made me rethink what lies within me in terms of racist behavior or thoughts or, Mm. um, and so this is coming from people who, uh, I didn't know if that was ever going to be said. And so I, I am thrilled with the, uh, the outcome and the turnout and we're, we're hoping to have something, like this about every month. And uh, yeah, that's what I did this weekend. How can people find out about that? Great question, Maren. This is not a grace like ministry or anything, but you can find listening table on Facebook or Twitter. And it's a, it's run by a bunch of volunteers. Uh, 
me being one, I know I'm on staff, but when I'm a part of this group, I'm a, vol- a volunteer and just a congregant who cares about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you can find out all about listening table. Um, one of our volunteers posts stuff every day, like events and articles, um, being published about, about racism and things like that. It's really good too. But yeah. I follow it. It's great. Twitter, yeah. yeah. She's really good. Joanna Burris. Um, so that's what I did Friday. And then the rest of the weekend was like baby duty, dad, daddy daycare. Lauren was busy and I, it was just me and Milo, my uh, six month old every day. So that's what I did this weekend. Good times. Yay. Solid. What did, what did you and Milo get up to? Uh, Any hijinks? A lot of hijinks, a lot of, uh, he's into holding blocks now. So a lot of just holding blocks <laughs> and, uh, that's about it. Naps, holding blocks. Sounds yeah. like a busy, busy weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Hey, uh, it's probably not my business to do this, but since you brought up the movie, can we talk about a miss this, this weekend at Grace? Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Cause on, on the topic. Okay. So what Dave's referring to is, uh, we're, is this, we're recording this on February 5th and February is, you probably know is black history month and, um, Grace church, um, honors black history month. We acknowledge it. We want to, um, celebrate it. We want to, um, put a focus on it, but this past weekend. So what, what happened is, uh, we, it's, we, we call this worship together weekend where we invite kids and children into it's the first weekend of the month. Yeah. First weekend of the month, we have baptisms. We invite kids and children into the auditoriums to, to worship with the whole church body of grace church. And, uh, a lot of times we try to come up with these games and this month just so happened to be like a weird cousin of never have I ever. It's like stand up. If you just, they're silly games usually just to get people engaged. So it's like stand up. If you like Nutella, because it's national Nutella day in two weeks or something like that. So a bunch of weird, random, but true holidays. We just rattled off a list of them. And, um, we made the decision, the conscious decision to not minimize black history month by not including it in this list of things, uh, that we're talking about it during did, this game. Didn't seem right to say in February's black history month and national biscuit, not dog biscuit yeah. day. You it's know, just those kind of weird. Didn't make any sense to put them together. So we didn't acknowledge it. The problem is we, we didn't, didn't acknowledge, acknowledge it, it. <laughs> anywhere else in the service. And that is a huge That's a miss. mistake. That's a miss. So yeah. I want to apologize on behalf of grace, just because we should have done that. We should have done that. Absolutely. And, um, if we, so here's, if we were to replay the tapes on all three campuses, we probably should have said something like this. You know what? February second month of winter, it's got some important things happening in February. Mm-hmm. You know, we celebrate our presidents and of course we remember black history month. Yeah. But in the month of February, there's some really goofy things that happen yeah. too. And if we had done that, we wouldn't be where we are. Right. So. And you know, I don't know, I don't know who's upset or if anybody's upset about this, but we do, we do appreciate and acknowledge and honor the, the month as black history month. And, um, pod prod, Emily O'Connor, uh, wrote a great blog post on the grace blog earlier this month about, about the month and about how we as uh, Christians in this community can participate in racial reconciliation and racial healing. And she posts about, people who are specific, uh, specifically worthy of celebration during this month. And she posts about events that are happening all throughout the month in Indianapolis that uh, she encourages us to be a part of. So 
we do acknowledge it and uh, we should have talked about it. Hopefully we find room to talk about it throughout the rest of the month um, on all of our channels. Yeah. But yeah, so just wanted well, to call that out. Yeah. And also if you want to know our perspective on this, you can go back and listen to two sermons I did on racism. Yeah. One with one of the most, uh, would I do it again? Make, I made a statement in one of the sermons. I don't know if I'll make it again. But oh, I think yeah. you should have. Kind of got me in trouble with some people. You said, if you're, if you're a racist, says, get, get out. out. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I was, it was indelicate, but it was uh, it You was got honest. in trouble for that? Well, f- f- not. What does this mean? Yeah. Does this mean racists want to stay? Well, They're it like, was. Don't it tell was, me to go. It was more the idea that, well, you're saying there's a there's a type of person or a type of sinner that's not welcome oh, at this church. Yeah, that's uh-huh. what it, it was. Sort of, you're yeah. welcome. Just stop being racist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you're going to yeah. continue to be racist. So anyway, there's that. And very, that's one, is one of the topics in March where we're considering, we're, we're talking about taking on a series, uh, seri- having a sermon series a month on kind of like the zeitgeist or the spirit, spirit of, of the, the age, like what's yeah. happening right now, some yeah. current event kind of things. And, you're speaking on the whole uh, sexual immorality, Me Too thing. Yeah, right? the whole sexual harassment. Right, sexual it's, harassment. It's going to be yeah, interesting. So <laughs> I think we're calling the sermon series, the next one after the one we're currently in, uh, Trending Topics. Yeah, that's And it. so well, there's a whole month's I'm, worth or six weeks worth of- Yeah, I'm preaching on um, pro-life. I'm going to be talking about abortion, scriptural wow. perspective on abortion and pro-life movement. Um. I don't want to say I'm not doing a sermon on immigration. I'm doing a sermon on the other. Mm-hmm. What's the scriptures, you know, with all this debate going on yeah. with, you know, it, frankly, it doesn't, I'm not going to talk about the political ramifications of it, but I'm going to talk about what's our responsibility. What's yeah. the scripture say our responsibility to the other? And so I, th- anyway. I think there's a room for all of those discussions within the Christian forum. And I think a lot of people want to know what mm-hmm. that is. Absolutely. So yep. I'm looking forward to that. So you guys decided not to use Zeitgeist as the name of the sermon series. No. That was Barry's idea. <laughs> yeah. Zeitgeist. Anything else on Black History Month before we move on? No, I just, I'm thankful that you guys acknowledged it on the pod. And we talked a little bit, you know, before we started recording. I, I was at the North Indy campus and I got at the end of service engaged in a conversation with two others who noticed that it wasn't mentioned. So yeah. our people do notice. Oh, yeah. They're, for sure, and they should, and they should hold an organization like Grace Church accountable for doing what we say. Absolutely, we believe. You know? Absolutely. So, yeah. So thanks, y'all. Yeah. All right. So we are here to talk about approaching God with boldness, and so this past weekend, Dave spoke about this and Abraham and uh, how he basically negotiated with God, and he laid out three important things to consider when you approach God ground and then rules. ground rules mm-hmm. uh, for approaching God and then teased the fourth. So let's kind of go through the first three before we get to the fourth and uh pod prod, I think has got a couple clips to set us up so that we can launch into discussion. If you're going to approach God, you need to invite him into the home of your heart as he invites you into his. So that's ground rule. Number one, number one, so can you elaborate a little bit? And uh, you, you shared a story about how other cultures are way more hospitable than, mm-hmm. than Americans. Right. And uh, first of all, why? I wonder why that ever happened. Like, That's a, when did that happen and why? That we lost our sense of hospitality? Yeah. I don't know. I think it was uh, February 2nd of, of 1972. <laughs> I mean, what I was know. it? Like culturally, um, are we just... I don't know. What? I don't know. I have We're a very thoughts. individualized... Yeah. We're, we're very, I agree. We're very individualized. Also, we are 
we are not an honor-based society. We are a right. guilt-based society mm-hmm. where it's all about personal responsibility and avoiding guilt. Whereas in many other cultures, at least the ones I've experienced, there's this element of honor where just sort of under the fabric of every relationship and every conversation, there's a, mm-hmm. this honor dynamic, this honor-shame dynamic where your responsibility is to bring honor to other people and to avoid shaming other people. Mm. And so in, in Kenya, I experience this a lot. For example, I still, I still do this. I lived in Kenya for a year back in 2005, and there's one thing that is permanently, it seemingly permanently changed in my life where anytime another person that I'm near drops something or stubs their toe or anything, I always say, oh, sorry, Sorry. Yeah. You, I, I know, I know yeah, I did that to you the other this, day. Yeah. Do we talk about it on the podcast? I don't think so. No. Anyway. So the reason I spilled my water all over my computer and Barry apologized to me <laughs> sitting across the room <laughs> yeah. and you're like, it's not your fault. Yeah. And, I just did this but, myself but in Kenya. Everybody does this all the time. And I asked somebody one, at one point, why is this happen? And the reason is because they want to avoid the shame yeah. of another person. So that's, they want to take, take their shame yeah. onto themselves by making it yeah. communal. Mm. Um, and on the flip side of that, there's this sense of when you have someone in, invited into your home, you can honor them. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn as hard as it was, I had to learn that it was actually my, my way of honoring someone, even let's say in the, the slums of Nairobi, I could honor them by allowing them to give me a hospitable welcome. Mm. I could honor them by letting them buy me a soda and mm. cake that I knew they really couldn't afford. It was so hard for me. Yeah. So hard. Cause I'm so individualistic and yeah. I want to, I wanted to be like, Oh no, I don't right. need, I don't need cake. Look at me. Yeah. And also, <laughs> and also um, you're like, I'm still working on my six pack. Exactly. <laughs> but so I wonder, I wonder if that was something that's yeah. at play here. It is. And it absolutely is. So take all this conversation or, you know, what you're saying right now and apply that to prayer. Yeah. Like when we enter into prayer, uh, creating an atmosphere of hospitality for God. And we know from scripture that he does the same thing w- for us. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, it's like a mutual hospitality thing going on when we sit down to engage God. Um, yeah. So I'm inviting you into, in essence, my heart while you invite me into yours. Mm-hmm. That's the first ground rule. And the story example was Abraham encountered these three men mm-hmm. or three people, men, uh, they were certainly in the form of, of human, men, human being, human men, beings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, basically went all out to give them, yeah. to make them feel like royalty within his home or. Yeah. And you could read between the lines. It was, it, it was like a supercharged hospitality. It wasn't just hospitality. It was supercharged. So what he gave them was yogurt, meat and milk. Mm-hmm. And bread. Lots that of bread. sounds disgusting. No, it bread. sounds amazing. <laughs> Yogurt and meat? Roasted meat. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrible. You just, it, it, think, think like Middle I Eastern. Know, I know. I know. Oh man, that's some yogurt on yeah. some meat and well, it's like, delicious. He made okay, maybe I'm not them. thinking yeah. of the right yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Chobani. I'm, I'm at Chobani home feeding and- Milo like blueberry yogurt. On a baby spoon. And gagging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine putting that on my meat. You have issues with <laughs> dairy products, though, don't nope. you? Yes, I do. Yeah. Imagine, okay, the meat's on the side, the yogurt and the bread go together. Yeah. Okay? So, yeah, that's that fine. Better? I'm, I'm glad. i yogurt on my meat. Okay. I don't even You know. are? It's delicious. Marin. Cucumbers, yogurt, I'm just imagining, the meat. like... Dill. If I knew oh, somebody was... Tzatziki sauce. I just said. Now we're talking. Is, is tzatziki sauce yogurt? And you put it on yes. meat. Yes. Oh, well, I take everything back then. <laughs> I, I love I love a good gyro. 
Okay, well, all right. I'm yeah. so, so glad that's we point can work one. That with you. Yeah. Zeros with God. Yeah. In prayer. So that's point one. Uh, point two is go in expecting answers and miracles. So the story example of this was Sarah laughed at God, right? Yep. And God got annoyed. He was irked. In like it is one of the funniest passages in Genesis. I love it. I love every time I read it. I just so it's like, it's, why did you laugh? I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. Yes, yes you, you did. did. <laughs> that's, yeah, like, what? that's it. That's right. literally the and, and Moses decided that that needed to be passed on. That's exactly to all future yeah, what I was about to ask. So yeah. as we're going through the series, we say, you know, this is for a very specific audience, a specific time. Everything in here is very intentional. There's reasons for this according to the audience and the author, what is the reason for including this? Like why, why did Moses find that this back and forth was super important? That's well, a phenomenal question. Maybe to show yeah. the Israelites that God knows everything. So what trying followed, to hide something. What followed, like what followed is the mic drop of the whole thing. Is anything too difficult for God? Yeah. Is anything mm-hmm. too yeah. hard for God? Oh yeah. And I mean, just stop for a second and think that God said that. Yeah. Right. God looked at him and said, look, is there anything too hard for me? Mm. Yeah. That's the, the rhetorical of all rhetorical questions. Yeah. What are you going to say? Well, let me think about that. Yeah. No, nothing's too hard. Mm. It's just, I, who knows what was going through. I mean, now keep in mind that this was a story. The reason why Moses wrote it down, it was a story that was passed on generation after generation after generation. Because mm-hmm. by the time he wrote it down was what, 500 years Yeah, later? something like that. Yeah, something like, no, would have been longer than that. Any rate, this it was because of yeah. So whatever it was, this was a story that was clearly passed down. So one generation tell the ne- next generation that she said, "I wasn't laughing." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you, you were. Yeah. Do, you, do you guys first? Do you guys ever laugh at God, like like she did, almost out of like like you're being called somewhere or you feel like you're hearing something from God and you're like, like, Oh yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm not laughing laughing. at God, but I'm like laughing seriously. Yeah. You want me or what? Yeah. It's more like not so much cynical laughter. Um, It's more like knowing laughter. I've had, I've had laughter looking back at what God has done and being like, what? Yeah. How could you, like, how did you take a video game addict living in his parents' basement who was depressed in a college dropout and, and now like years later, I'm sitting yeah. in some hut in Cambodia, like eating this random stuff next to the Mekong river. Like how, yeah. did, how does that happen? So I do laugh about that kind of stuff a lot looking okay. at my own life. So that's a good example. So when you were sitting playing video games and you heard that God wanted you to be a candidate for a future senior hmm. pastor role at a mega church, you would have been like, ha, 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 yeah, right. <laughs> nope. Yeah. So that's what this is, right? That's what Sarah's doing because she's what? 90 years old and uh, yeah. she doesn't have a baby and that's what she's laughed. always want. Yeah. This, this scripture has always kind of bothered me to some degree because I know I would have laughed. Yeah. I would have too. I probably would have owned up to laughing. <laughs> you <laughs> no, know? I didn't do that. Why did you laugh? Ah, uh, because look at me. I mean, really, Yeah. you know, like, yeah, I'm yeah, 90 and you sound crazy. I definitely would have laughed. And let's keep, we don't have no idea how many years that she heard that. I'm sure because Abraham, sure. I'm sure came back from the one time where God put his armor on his, look at the stars in the sky. She, Honey, you're not going to believe this. Yeah. We're going to have so many descendants. It's going to be like stars in the sky. Well, how many times did she mm-hmm. hear that? And finally, these three, three guys show up 
at their tent and they hear it again, she's like, I'm done with hearing that. Mm. Yeah. I feel like her and I, Sarah and I would have been simpatico on how we treated this. Mm-hmm. Like if I've wanted something my whole life and didn't have it and felt I was close to like the end of life and then somebody tells me I'm about to get it, I'd be like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And don't, don't miss this. I, I said it, it kind of in passing. This is not, um, have you ever heard name it, claim it theology? Oh yeah. Okay. So can you explain that? So that, so because of my point, I mean, I can explain it, but I'd like to hear from your perspective. Okay. From my perspective, it's, I'm a King's kid. I'm a child of the King. And so, um, asking it shall be given unto you, knocking the door will be opened unto you. I'm going to claim that this is mine in Jesus name and it shall be mine in Jesus name, yeah. whatever that thing is. Right. Yeah. So that even, the, if that, even if it's money or a specific yeah. car, whatever, or whatever that especially thing is. if it's that in some cases. So mm-hmm. that theology is basically based on human beings. This is who I am. And so this mm-hmm. is what I deserve because of who I am. That's not what this was about. This was good theology. This is where God says, this is who I am. And I ask you, is anything too impossible mm. for me? That's why I said that the second point, if, if you scoff at what God says about, I can do anything, that's poor theology. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. S- listen to this, what I'm about to say. Scoffing at the unlikely is very poor theology. All right, let me ask this then. If there's been a drought and you're praying for rain, is it, is it bad theology to walk out of the house without an umbrella? Well, you're telling us to pray expectantly. And so you saying that, I would think bring the umbrella. You're praying expectantly mm-hmm. and hopefully. Well, yeah. And then you remember what Mark Batterson said in the, I think the first chapter of his, what's the, what's the circle? It was a drinker. He tells the story of a guy who drew a circle underground and he, he stood in the circle. It was a drought. It was actually in, I think, first uh, couple century or first century before uh, Jesus. And he stood, stood in the circle and he said, I'm just going to stand here until it rains. And then a cloud came and then it started to rain and then it started to downpour and it was like a deluge. And he said, I didn't ask for that much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you remember that story? Yeah. yeah. And apparently, I mean, it's kind of legend. Mm-hmm. But, um, so yeah, why not take an umbrella? I liked what you said um, right after you said scoffing at the unlikely is very poor theology. You said never laugh at the impossible because that diminishes God. I think for me, these points are getting progressively more difficult. Can I invite him in to my (laughs) heart space? Sure. Come on in, come on in. But after you've lived long enough and you've prayed for some things that did not come to pass, it becomes more difficult to pray, Mm -hmm. um, expecting miracles or so that I I've struggled with that for a long time. For you to say, laughing at the impossible diminishes God, then I could say, okay, well, I don't want to diminish God. I know that regardless of whether, you know, my prayers were answered the way I wanted them to be or not, that's kind of neither here nor there. God is still great. God is still capable. Mm-hmm. And any, uh, you know, if, if I don't bring this to him, I'm diminishing his power or I'm, I'm thinking that well, he can't do this or he right. won't do this. I'm diminishing him. Right. There's a, a family at Grace and I won't say their names because I haven't gotten their permission to share the story, but um, they recently had a, a death. The father of the family passed away from cancer. And I have never in my life encountered people with such an incredible level of faith in their prayers. Um, both uh, the mother and the, and the oldest daughter 
um, they prayed ceaselessly for uh, the father to be healed. And I spoke to them a couple times. I went over there and prayed with them as well. And there was not a sense of doubt. They never had a plan B. They were pl- their plan A was he's going to heal because there's still work for this, for this man to do. Ultimately, he did pass away. But what happened for them is they, they both, the same morning, the morning that, I believe it was the morning that he died, they both woke up and sensed in their spirit that, that the spirit had said to them, now it's time for plan B. Switch, switch your prayers. And they, for some reason, were able to say, okay, God is not going to answer our prayer. Instead, let's pray that the end comes quickly. Mm. And he passed away hours later. And I don't, I don't know what all to do with that, mm. except that I know that when I pray for someone to be healed, rarely is my mind completely free of plan B. Mm. So Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, so look at it this way. When we hold up, when I believe for the impossible and I keep praying for it, it keeps me in the room with God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's more important than that? Nothing. So even if he doesn't bring the thing I'm praying for, I'm still in the room with him, which makes everything else. That's why they were able to hear that now it's time for plan B because they were so close to him. Yeah. They're hearing his voice. They're so they're anticipating so he can whisper and say, it's now time for plan B. It's now time. And they go, okay. Hmm. And, and throughout all of the, the long weeks and months of praying for plan A, um, God continued to reveal to them ways that he was working See, yeah. in the situation. And they had this list of about 60 things that I think something like that, 40 or 60 different ways that they knew God had moved. Yeah. Even though he wasn't answering their big prayer he was moving and he kept revealing to them, just so you know, this is how I'm working yeah. right in the midst of this. And, and so they were able to praise God the entire time, mm-hmm. even after plan B mm-hmm. became the reality. And that funeral was one of the most profound moments of my life to see a family that had gone through with so much faith and continued that faith beyond it. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you, Marin. I think, out of all of the, or out of the three ground rules, this is the hardest. Like I have friends who have had chronic pain or, you know, suffering throughout their whole life. And some of them have crazy awesome faith. And some of them are like, yeah, I don't believe God's a healer. You know, they're, I've prayed enough about this and he hasn't healed me. So I don't believe he's a healer. And I'm not in a situation where I would know how I would react. I hope I would respond with like, I'm still expectant for miracles and I hope I'm uh, receptive to the, to the spirit, but I don't know what I would do. I don't know. And when people respond the way that family you're talking about do it, it, we talk about faith triggers. That is, you know, that is amazing for me. Yeah. This is taking me back to that, that sermon, the faith triggers sermon where you said that uh, belief is an act of the will and it does not preclude doubt and that you can believe and doubt at the same time. If you engage God with it, that's why I say I'd be Sarah. I would laugh, Mm -hmm. but I would tell him why I was laughing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Engaging with him, staying in the room with him, which by the way, that's what he was trying to do. I think when he said, no, you did laugh. He was trying to get her to talk to him. Mm. I think it wasn't a condemnation. He said, no, I heard you laugh. So Mm -hmm. I, now we don't see it in the scriptures, but in my mind, he's going to 
let's talk. Let's go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You know, here's a, I've told this story several times in sermons. Um, so I, I probably, well, uh, I have a chronic illness and, uh, it's, um, it's not going to be healed. There's just no, there's no way to, to get rid of it. And, um, so I've prayed a couple of years ago when I was going through it, it was a particularly deep time. I prayed and prayed and prayed, prayed for healing, prayed for healing, prayed for healing. Um, one night, um, and it would hit me with the worst about two or three in the morning. It was a digestive issue and I would feel horrible. And I woke up to use the bathroom and then I was going to do what I normally did. Um, I would go down and turn a TV on and try to get my mind off of how I felt middle of the night. And I clearly remember, I'll never forget this. God said, don't, don't go downstairs, get back in bed and I will lie with you. Wow. Oh my goodness. It was as clear. I mean, I could still hear him. So I could show you on the bathroom floor where I was standing when he said it to me. So I climbed back in bed and I sensed in a way, I don't know how you sense this, that, that God has arms around me. And we were lying together as I continued to hurt now, I don't believe if I'd have given up on praying, I don't believe I would have heard his voice say, lie down. I, th- I think I would have given up on the conversation with him. That's mm-hmm. the bottom yeah. line. I would have given up on the conversation. I would have left the room, so to speak, mm-hmm. and I would have not heard, heard his voice that night. So, so what does that, I mean, that, how, that was a couple years ago, at yeah. least. Yeah. What does that do for you today? I, cause you still laid there in pain. How many, well, it has changed. It's changed my, it's almost becoming a life message for me in some ways. So I talk about the presence of God over and over and over again. If you listen to my sermons, I talk about, cause yeah. it's, it's true to me. Um, when I don't know what to say, I just sit and imagine him with me when hmm. I don't, I don't know what to pray when I don't know what to write in my journal. I would just sit and just imagine myself in the presence of God. That's the bottom line. It's become like my go-to spiritual discipline. That's awesome. I think too often I, when I'm praying, I feel like I'm wasting God's time because I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And so I just stop mm-hmm. because I feel, I'm like, you don't want to listen to me just babble on about yeah. who knows what. Yeah. So yeah. I'm out of here. Or I don't want to be disappointed if this outcome yeah. isn't what I want. So I'm not going to pray in this direction because I don't want to be disappointed in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and I don't, I don't want to set to you up praying. for failure, God. So I'll just avoid yeah. it With, yeah, without like realizing it. I'm also not setting you up for success. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that's the hardest one to me. Uh, let's move on to number three. The third is this, be ready to negotiate. There was a couple of different yeah. words that you used, but well, push, push back, pushing bargain. Back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, all mm-hmm. that with almighty God. Like I, I'd Still have a hard time really? wrapping my brain around that. So much so I had to go after that sermon and look up other accounts of people in the Bible who've done just really? that. Really? Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. What'd you find? Um, what did I find? Here, let me open my computer. I mean, um, Joseph, right? He pushed back, Moses, so to speak. Moses, when he goes up uh, to receive the Ten Commandments and people are acting a fool Jacob, down sorry. below oh. and God's like, that's it. I'm just going to wipe them out. And Moses pleads on their behalf, mm-hmm. please don't wipe them out. And I love, I got to find the way it's worded exactly, but yeah, go ahead. Verse Aaron. 14 of, what is this? Exodus chapter 32, talking about the golden calf. So the Lord changed his mind mm. about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. See? The Lord changed his mind because Moses asked him to, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? 
Well, and let's let's talk about another a time when God did not change his mind when somebody was trying to negotiate with him. You may not like this, but when his own son said, mm-hmm. look, I think I'd prefer if this cup pass. <laughs> right. But I he think also I would prefer. I think, you know. <laughs> if but, you would be so kind. Yeah. But but at the same time, sir. of course, we and just hang on to the last point we get to, the last ground rule, which is an important balance to this. But um, Jesus himself was having, you don't want to call, if you don't want to call it negotiation, call it wrestling. I mean, I said to one person who pushed back on it pretty hard, I said, would you feel more comfortable if I just said, we need, it's okay to wrestle with God? She said, yeah, that's better. I said, okay, fine. Yeah. You want to call it wrestling with God. That's mm. fine. Um, Interesting distinction. Yeah. I mean, it's, because that's a, that's a word we use a lot. And I'm actually uh, in what, three weeks, I'm actually the last week in this series is going to be on Jacob wrestling yeah. with God. So one of the things that I don't know, I, what I, here's what I'm thinking about in all this, um, in Jewish thought and, and rabbinical thought, and there is a lot more comfort with the idea of a God who has different opinions and can be persuaded. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, there's this whole stream of, of, Jewish theology, which involves um, looking at certain Psalms and prophecies as not just um, pleading with God to turn his face to us in a metaphorical sense, but actually um, with an, with the idea that there are times where God doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, isn't paying attention, so to speak. Now, this is not comfortable for us, especially in our, in our sort of Western mindset, but it's fascinating. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily true, that God is up right. there not paying attention to us. I don't think that's how it works. Um, but it's interesting that a lot of Jewish theologians have that kind of a dynamic relationship with God, where they look at these Psalms pleading with God to answer, mm-hmm. not just as in, well, we know God, you're already predestined to do exactly what you're already going to do. But if, but for the sake of argument, I'm just going to say, please come and rescue us. That they would actually believed yeah. that by pleading with God, he might turn his face on them and have mercy. And one of the reasons I think this is so hard for us um, is because most of a lot of Christian theology in the West was formed side by side with Greek philosophy, Mm. which um, presented ideas about the divine or about the Godhead, which frankly, if you took out of our thought, you would have a hard, you would have a harder time finding in scripture. Things like God is unchangeable, uh, or, or that God is timeless or, or that God, not timeless, but God is, um, c- can't be affected by our, by this creation. Um, those are ideas that started with the Greek philosophers mm-hmm. that we then read back into the scriptures to understand the God of Israel. Um, and I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that those are necessarily wrong. It's just a different emphasis that comes from a whole different school of mm-hmm. philosophy. Uh, well, it, yeah. Well, so, this, this, this story in and of itself is a source of discomfort for most evangelical Christians. If we're honest, it's, we it's have just, we have to read back into this story many of our presuppositions about well, God couldn't possibly fill in the blank, so therefore, yeah. when it says this, it must mean this. Yeah. You know, like we well, do that a lot. The man said to me in the lobby yesterday, "I don't. I'm not pushing back on him necessarily, but his his he said, well, here's the way I see the story. God already knew." what he was going to do to Sodom. God already knew that there were no righteous people there. 
Um, and so he just allowed Abraham to get it out or share, ask, ask his mm-hmm. questions, although God already knew. You know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that. Yeah. And if it feels to me, when I think of that, okay, okay, well then I'll push back on that and say, well, was God toying with Abraham? Yeah. Sounds like he's that, just messing with him. It, yeah. It sounds, and that, I'm uncomfortable with that. Yeah. So, you know, on the extremes of this conversation are difficulties, mm-hmm. but when I look at it, um, I don't look at a story where I go, that has no meaning in my life. When I look at that story, I say, oh my word, I can have a conversation with God mm-hmm. and somehow influence mm-hmm. him like Moses did, like mm-hmm. you read. So this is important. It's one of my favorite stories in all of scripture. Yeah. Now I've talked about that, this part of the story on this pod before, where this story is the thing that has transformed me more in the last five years than anything, because uh, we do the way of discipleship and my discipler, David Bell, one day asked me if I believe God respects me because respect has been a huge trend in my life. And um, I need to make sure that I feel respected and there's a whole backstory there, but he flat out asked me, do you think God respects me? And I said, no. And I was sobbing in the middle of a Starbucks. And I said, no. And he said, I think God does respect us and he pointed me to this story yeah. and it's, it's God listening mm-hmm. to Abraham. And that's what it is. It, it is kind of a negotiation. You, they're literally talking about numbers, which is what mm. happens when you, when you negotiate in a lot of situations. I mean, sounds like haggling. Yeah. How about 40? How about 35? <laughs> yeah. How about 30? How about 20? It goes, yeah. and well, whether you want to call it <clears throat> wrestling, negotiating, whatever, God is listening mm. and he respects us enough to, uh, alter his final judgment, I guess. I don't know. I think the reason I have a hard time with the word haggling is you don't see God going back to a different number, right? So like, I like thrifting, right? And there's no greater joy than when you're like, that's 10 bucks. I don't know. I'll give you five. And then the guy goes back up and says, well, seven. Yeah, right. Well, I don't know. Yeah. So So God's not doing that. No, no. And, 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 to the man in the lobby, I don't even know who that was, but to his point, it would seem that God's like, okay, <laughs> sure, th- 30, I'm all right, 10. Oh, like God's oh. looking in the distance and waiting for Abraham to get done. You done? You done, Abraham? And that, okay. Yeah, that's what, that's, you can read into it and, and that's sure. what it feels like, but I can't imagine God looking at us that way. Why do you think Abraham stopped at 10? Because that's where it stops. At that point, he's probably like, yeah, that's that's too much. <laughs> that's <laughs> too much evil. Well, I, did, I, did I say 10? Well, I you, meant, uh, you get the, I guess you get the idea that he knew that it was such a horrible place because his number kept getting right. lower and lower so and I'd lower be like, and lower. If I knew it was terrible, but also my cousin, Lot, who, nephew, is Lot his yeah, nephew? nephew yeah. If I knew my nephew was in there, I'd be like, one person. If one person, Except my nephew, nephew yeah. and his daughter, and his family, and his daughter's yeah. family. save it, yeah, his, I'd get his down to one real quick. But they thought he was joking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Son-in-law's missed out, man. All right. So that triggered a conversation about time, right? Yes. Right. So you quoted a sermon from Barry five old, years ago. Old sermon, yeah. Back in the day, baby Barry. <laughs> it sounded like Barry the minute you said it. I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, that's Barry. <laughs> well, I know. It, it, to this day, I have people say to me, you remember when Barry said blah, blah, blah about time? And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I was one of the most mind-numbing. And, <laughs> and you always, you always want to have your sermons described as mind-numbing. <laughs> 
But I said it. Yes. I said in the sermon yesterday, it blew my mind numbing, but it also opened my heart. That's yeah. what was cool about it. Let's hear what Barry said. He said, time is a created thing. When God created space and earth and stars and energy and gravity and life, he also created time. Before God set the galaxies in motion, time didn't exist. There were no seconds, no minutes, no hours. God isn't just really, really old. He exists outside of space and time. And if time is something he created and he truly exists outside of it, it means that he's not bound by our limited perspective of the world. We may be trapped in the relentless march of time, but God isn't. He, only, he isn't only present at this time, he is present at every time, right now. God is at this moment comforting five-year-old you as you fall off your bike and scrape your knee. He is at this moment holding your hand as you lie on your deathbed, breathing your last. And he is at this moment watching as a zygote grows that will be you nine months later. He is at this moment sitting with you in this room, breathing life into the broken places of your heart, equipping you with strengths and gifts and passions and inviting you to trust him with your life because you are his workmanship and there is so much still to come. Okay. Barry? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I have to I have to prefacely space time. Space time. Yeah. And so I that was the space time. The first part of that sermon was talking about flatland and space time. Here comes the geek voice. I did I actually started that sermon yes. with my nerd yes. voice, which yes. Merritt would love. I, yeah. I started, I said, look out everybody, buckle up, it's gonna get real nerdy in here. Um but yeah, I mean it's just this isn't and I don't doesn't say anything about this in scripture, except it does say that in Isaiah, oh, I got to find that passage, but it talks about, uh, he, God is saying like, I'm the master over all of time because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the Israelites in Babylon were, you know, they're feeling like, oh man, God's can't be in control anymore because the Babylonians are winning. And he's like, hold up. I am in tra- I, I am over everything from the beginning to the end. And it, you can't even comprehend essentially, I'm paraphrasing. You can't even comprehend how much I see and know and can do. Um, anyway, so this is all just my musings on what it might mean if that's true. If God really is outside of time, then then that means that he is not marching through time in a linear fashion. Mm-mm. Time is the time to God would be the way that space is to us. You can he can move through it, he can create, he can interact. I don't know. It's well, let's even stuff. our theology of predestination right. implies time. Right. The word pre. I mean, it says that there was a time, it was a time past. The, 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 the problem is with that, if God's outside of time, it's all happening at the same time. Right. So my, and- my point was my prayers and God's determination of the answer to those prayers are all happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. It reminded me of what I read in Mere Christianity years ago, like where C.S. Lewis is laying out that, that concept of, um, kind of God having an arrow view of the piece of paper, like seeing right. both the end and the beginning all at the exact same time, taking yeah. it all in at yes. the same time. Yeah. Yep. So if God is outside of time and he's already thought about or he's already answered or not our prayers, is the point 
to just go for it? Is that what, yeah. is that the point? Like, well, even use the word already. Okay, so that's, <laughs> oh gosh. That's, all, so much of what we say is time, yeah. is time bound. I think here's the way I want us to think about it is don't just pray. Pray, ask for whatever's on your heart and don't sit and worry or fuss about whether God's predetermined the answer to this. Okay. Besides, I mean, if, if something like that exists, some predetermination by God, it's not knowable by us anyway. Right. That how to, so pray, believing that what I'm praying for right now somehow is working with the divine will to exercise his will in this world. That, that's the bottom line. Just it, Yeah. And think about what it means for us to be made in the image of God. The entire concept of us being made in God's image uh, has to do with our vocation. We are, as humanity, we are given the, the responsibility of helping to continue God's good work of creation. He gave us the role of stewarding the entire earth of being the the rulers over this creation and all of the animals and all of the the plants and the like all of that is part of our job and so if you want to look at it over the over the as time marches on our responsibility is to help god create creation mm. to further create creation because we're inherently creative people what if our prayers were another way for that to be enacted? What if our mm -hmm. prayers mm -hmm. were part of our vocation as co-creators with God? Absolutely. So if God's simultaneously with me when I scrape my knee and I fall off my bike and right now. And when you die. And when I die. And when I was deciding what college to go to, you would think he would say, don't go to the one with the most student loans. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I did anyway. <laughs> well, you could have given me a heads up. <laughs> or he could have said, Absolutely, this is the right choice because those student loans that you're going to have to deal with will form you in such a way that I will be able to use you later because I know your destiny and I know like... Hmm. I know, Barry. I know. <laughs> you want to hear, hear something really, I'm really I'm just trying to make crazy. a joke. I'm <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. God missed that one. He could have yeah. told you. No, I didn't laugh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So here's, here's the one other thing. I have to say this. So... I wonder, okay, the resurrection, the new heavens, the new earth, is it going to be also based in the same time scale that we are used to now? Or is it possible that our resurrected bodies will somehow abide with God in the realm outside of space and time, right? Potentially, you ever thought about that? So, Like interstellar? Yeah. Think about it all the time, constantly. Never leaves my mind. Wait, what? <laughs> I think she might be joking. Oh, okay. She's trying to make a joke, Tyler. We aren't, uh, <laughs> we aren't keeping up with each other's jokes today, that's for sure. So, okay, hypothetically, and again, everybody, hear me when I say this is just my brain dump. This is not something I'm necessarily looking at in scripture. Although, the, oh, no, no, no. Right, I won't get into it. But Podcast if, is canceled after if, this episode. If, if our resurrected bodies are with God in whatever realm exists outside of space-time, outside of this creation. Yeah. Which, which they are. If that's true, yeah. then we are currently watching ourselves have this conversation. Great. Oh, <laughs> great. Dude, <laughs> wild stallion. That just was like Bill and Ted's well, excellent adventure. That was going to be my question. If God's outside of time, why the heck did he create, create it this way? That's a great question. I, I mean, I don't I guess I don't expect... That I you actually guys to answer, but well, no, I actually thought about that yeah, this past like, week as I was working on the sermon. I thought, well, why did you do it? Yeah, why did you way? do it this way? Because everything yeah. gets worse with time. Yeah, but think about okay, think <laughs> of Hebrews uh, 
12.1, and based on what you, let me back up a second. Hebrews 12.1, what you you said about us watching ourselves. Since we are surrounded by such a, a great cloud of witnesses, essentially watching all of history unfold as we stand outside of time. That is the coolest thing I've thought. Yeah, about. that's going to be the best documentary ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Or the most embarrassing. Like, we, yeah. can we, guys, can we the please biggest, fast forward this part? Biggest <laughs> Netflix binge ever. <laughs> All right, so those are the three ground rules for approaching God in prayer. And mm-hmm. David, David, why are you David that's Rodriguez? actually my name, David. Yeah, yeah I Nobody know. calls me Dave that. Dave said that there was a fourth. Yep. So we... Invited you to tune into this podcast for one hour later. <laughs> give you the going, finally <laughs> get with- to it. <laughs> uh, and here, Dave is going to reveal the fourth ground rule. Drum roll, please. I can't find my notes. Kidding, kidding. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth one's really important because uh, if you were a little bit uncomfortable with the um, casualness of, of bargaining or negotiating with God, this will put some balance on it and it's a needed balance because the fourth ground rule is if we're going to approach God, we need to do it very respectfully and reverently. All right, hmm. now I want to show you from the story where this emerges because yes, Abraham is saying, what about if it's 40? What if it's 35? What is 30? 20? Right. And it sounds like he's, and and like I said, he he approached God, got really close to God, like they're going to have this intense conversation. Yeah. But listen to what listen to what he says. How reverent and uh, respectful he is. Um, verse twenty seven. Let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. Okay, so he puts himself, he postures himself. I am, I am nothing. And that phrase, dust and ashes, was a uh, a sign, uh, essentially a, a Hebrew phrase that meant, you know, I am, I am nothing. Yeah. I, I've debased myself. So, okay. Verse 27, verse 30, please don't be angry, my Lord. Mm-hmm. Another sensing that what I'm saying here, I'm pushing the boundaries. I, I want to, I want you to know God. I get that. Um, verse 31, since I have dared to speak to the Lord, I'm acknowledging mm-hmm. that I have stepped into holy ground here and I've dared to speak to Adonai. I think it's Adonai. I've dared to speak to him. Um, and verse 32, uh, finally, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. So there's this, um, well, there's the familiarity of the conversation and there's this, but oh my gosh, I know who I am. Yeah, know your place. I know, I know my place. So when we approach God, yes, there should be a sense of intimacy and hominess and comfort. Yes, we should be expectant of answers and miracles. Yes, we should determine to engage God in deep discussion, even negotiation, but... We have to remember what the writer of Hebrews said, let us please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a devouring fire. We can't forget that. Or Hebrews 10, 31, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So, wow. yeah, I mean, that's a strong yeah. statement. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And here's Abraham saying, hey, can I talk to you a second? Where at the same time, he's stepping in. This is the most intimate, dangerous conversation in history. Uh, that's hyperbole, but because he's, he's approaching God with great intimacy and can we talk? And then it's like, and at the same time, you just have to look at me and blink and I am just, I'm carbonized. Hmm. So, and so here's a few other thoughts I had. Um, I wonder if we 
in the West in particular, maybe worldwide, if we have neglected or, or ignored this aspect of who God, that God is, that he's a devouring fire. I wonder if we forget that. And I, I even wrote this in my notes. I wonder if we've homogenized God. Hmm. Okay. Or we're, maybe we're even embarrassed by this aspect of God. And maybe we're embarrassed in our theology to think, okay, that, yeah. okay. Um, Donald McCullough, I, I remember when I was working on this message, I remembered a book that somebody gave me called The Trivialization of God. And uh, his name's Donald McCullough. Uh, he said this, when the true story gets told, it may be revealed that the worst sin of the church has been the trivialization of God. And I wonder if that's, I wonder if that's what we've done. Um, and so, anyway, prayer to me is always a balance between God, the destroying fire, and God, yeah. our dear friend. That's like the smash cut of all smash cuts that you just did. <laughs> like to go from, you know, inviting him into your heart space. Remember, he's a devouring fire and it is a terrible thing to yeah, fall into yeah. the hands of the living God. <laughs> I can't. I, I mean, to, to walk that line and, and hold those things in balance, like equally. And yeah, because yeah, smash cut, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Yes, they were. <laughs> so there I mean, is wrath involved. They talked down and they talked down, but in the end, yeah. it was still destroyed. Yeah, yeah. wiped it out. Yeah, so what this came to my mind and I have to share it. So uh, C.S. Lewis, obviously great thinker. Well, in his Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, <laughs> jury's still out, but. Okay, well, Tyler's not so okay. sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, was, he was a brilliant, brilliant man. And he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. And the, there's a quote from the book uh, in which one of the girls, Susan, is learning about Aslan, the lion. Oh, yeah. And it's a metaphor. It's, it's, it's a metaphor for Christ and, or for God. I mean, it's lion, kind of yeah. a mix. Um, and it was Mr. Beaver who was explaining this to Susan. And he says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, says Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous around about meeting a lion. Safe said Mr. Beaver, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. Mm-hmm. He's the king. He's the king, I tell you. Mm. Oh yeah. And I like, it's such a juxtaposition. And yeah. I love that yeah. concept. I mean, he, you're with a, a lion that could, with one swipe of his paw, mm-hmm. you know, could take wow. you out. And yeah. yet he is so intimate and loving to the characters in that book. It's like, mm-hmm. wow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So we imagine ourselves falling into the arms of God and we read scripture where he count, he counts our tears mm-hmm. in a bottle and he knows every hair on our head. And then the writer of Hebrews says, don't ever let him get a hold of you <laughs> because it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So, Man. so you do. Okay. So here's a, Maren, I'm going to ask you what you trying, you said trying to keep that in balance. Is that bad? It's not a word balanceable. I mean, can we, can, we actually, can you even do that? Can you even do that? And that, that it's important because it's one of the ground rules. So we have four ground rules. On one end, intimacy. The other end, terror. And reverence for the, for the potential of the terror. Reverence, which at the beginning of this podcast, we started talking about how in our Western culture, it's not uh, necessarily like a, a thing for us to really make a regular practice of honoring others around us because we're so individualistic, all that stuff. So do we need to even reacquaint ourselves with the word reverence and what that mm. means? And mm. oh yeah, as it applies to the creator of the universe. Well, <laughs> right? and, and have, have we indeed has, has, have, has the church trivialized God? Have we homogenized him? 
Have we trivialized him? Is Donald McCullough right? Is that going to be one of the greatest sins of the church? You know, I've thought, I have, well, I, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about the space-time continuum. I have thought <laughs> about this a lot because I, I think it's John on the island of Patmos when he sees an image of the resurrected Christ and he falls on his face. If anyone could say, homeboy. Yeah. If anyone can say like, dude, what's up? Mm-hmm. It would have been someone who walked with him, yeah. someone who knew him and he fell on his face. Yeah. And you know, that wasn't, I wouldn't, I don't mean to diminish what you said. It wasn't just the resurrected Christ. He saw Christ as he is. Mm. This is how Christ as he is at this moment. If you want to know who you're praying to, go to Revelation 1 and 2, and that'll tell you who you're praying to. Mm. You know, with the sword coming out of his mouth and the... Oh my gosh. I think I think about these things a lot because of the songs we sing and that mm-hmm. being, you know, a large part of what I do and holding it in balance in yeah. worship services of being able to sing about his uh, reckless love, you know, and sing about the way that he pursues us and chases us down. But yeah. then we sing, sing holy, love holy is the Lord God almighty. Yeah. You know, we're in our worship services. I feel like we are constantly having to not strike a balance or find a balance, but maybe to sing of both mm-hmm. and to, yeah, familiarity and reverence all within 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, this all of a sudden sounds like a huge task. Because like the sh- the clip we showed before the sermon was Wizard of Oz, Cowardly Lion jumping through the window when Oz fires back at him, yeah, right? Right. Uh, praying to the God with a sword in his mouth, mm-hmm. I feel like I'd jump through the window. Mm-hmm. No matter how bold I tried to be. Mm-hmm. If I saw the sword in the mouth, uh, that's if, a huge that's a huge deal. But it's like what Barry just read, you know, in that passage from Narnia. It's if you don't know that he's good, you yeah. jump out the window but we know he's good. Yeah. 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 We, we always, the pendulum keeps swinging back and forth yes, through does. church history. And I, I was just thinking about this, this quote from this old um, 1700s sermon by Jonathan Edwards. The sermon was called Sinners, Sinners in, in the, the Hands, hands of, of an Angry, angry God. God. Yes. Wow, guys. Literally, this is how he starts, this is, this is how he starts <laughs> oh his God. sermon. This is how he starts his sermon. <laughs> the God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked. His wrath towards you burns like fire. He looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. He is of purer eyes than to bear you in his sight. You are 10,000 times as abominable in his eyes as the most hateful venomous serpent is in ours. I'm sorry. You can have yogurt with your meat if you want. I'm sorry. So that would be one side of the pendulum. On the other side of the pendulum is the psalm is the psalm writer going, I faint with longing to come into your house. Who yeah. wants to come into that God yeah. house? Yes. Nobody. My soul longs and even faints. faints. The, other side of this, the other side of the pendulum is this person I knew at college who used to start all of their prayers with, hey, daddy. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I was always like, ah, vaguely uncomfortable. Oh my God. That's how they decided to approach the God of the universe. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, so it would have been easier to do four separate sermons with four separate sure. rules because each one of them in and of themselves is understandable. Mm-hmm. And you yeah, can live, right. you live into each one of those ground yep. rules and say, this week it's going to be interesting. Next week I'm going to yeah. be scared to death. <laughs> and yet Abraham and Sarah, their relationship with God was all of the things, mm. all at the same time. Man, big deal. That's a big deal. 
You can come into my house, but you got to leave the weapons outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Dave, you coming back next week? Uh, yeah. We'll Talk be back. about Isaac, Ooh, right? I am telling you. I got you. a lot of questions about Abraham man, and Isaac. I, I did some really interesting research today on uh, some of the Jewish midrashes, some of the teaching on that, and wow. And, and for and, a real oh, treat? Yeah, we are. I mean, um, Jewish theology looks at that story completely different than Christian theology completely different than Islamic yeah. theology. I don't know how much we'll get into that, but it's a, it's like the climax of the Abraham story. I mean, it's the pinnacle. It, yeah. And, and we were all going to face all of us who, yeah, we're going to, we're going to have to face this straight on. It's important stuff. Test of faith. You got and it. And I will call it right now. Somehow in the intro, the words ram in a thicket will show up <laughs> in Tyler's intro. Yes. I guarantee it. Challenge accepted. <laughs> ram in a thicket. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Okay, All right. hey, you want one thing to think of before you leave? Of course. What if Abraham, that ram was there the whole time and he just never noticed? Like the miracle well from last week? Yep, let's just leave it at that. What if the ram was there the whole time and Abraham never noticed? Because in our minds, he lays Isaac on the altar. He's about you to, are all he's, about the cliffhangers right all, now. He's about to take <laughs> his life and then all of a sudden, there's the ram <laughs> yeah. with, with its horn stuck in the thing. What if he was there all the time, all, the whole time and just never noticed? What if that ram was there before the creation of the world? Oh. What if he was there oh, simultaneously enough. Enough. as when I fell off my still bike? still there right now. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we end this fantastic episode of Between Sundays. We'll look forward to Dave coming back next week to talk about Abraham and Isaac. And uh, so please join us next week as we dig deeper into being called out by God. But as we leave, Marin does this really cool thing to send us out every week. Marin, will you do us the honors? Just quote the word of God. Do yeah, justly, very cool. love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we will see you on the other side of Sunday. <laughs> <laughs>